Dad, tell me a story. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Storytelling Habit. I ask for your forgiveness and express my appreciation for your patience if the audio quality on the last two episodes has not been up to par. I am in need of a new microphone, which I'll be getting in the next couple of days here. So by next week, we should be back to the highest quality audio possible. But for now, we continue to publish, we continue to take action and be consistent. I want to tell you a story today. The story goes a little something like this. I have been doing customer service training at Power Selling Pros for six years. And I want to say two years ago, when I really started to become hyper aware of the need for great storytelling, if you don't have the ability to tell a great story, it's impossible to reach your potential in whatever career you're at. I I really believe that. I believe that your fullest potential can only come when you master the ability to share your ideas and communicate them with power and clarity. So, in the midst of this realization, I tried adding new stories to the customer service trainings that I did. And let me tell you, when you are trying to tell a story about someone else, Like, for example, when you're doing what I do and you're training people on how to wow their customers and you want to use stories that illustrate the principles you teach, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to try and tell a story about someone else, to be the narrator, so to speak. It's not impossible, but it's a lot more difficult than simply telling your own stories. Because when you're telling your own stories, you can relive them in the telling of it. You can re-channel the emotions you experienced when the story happened as you tell it. You can relive the moments of suspense and anxiousness, the excitement, the fear, all the emotions you actually experienced in real life. You can channel those again and communicate them when you retell your stories. But you can't do that with other people's stories. So a lot of the emotion, a lot of the power gets lost in translation. Not only that, you don't have all of the details that make the story riveting. You see, so much of what makes stories engaging and riveting is not just the things that happen, the chronology of events, so to speak, but it's what went on internally for the person whose story it is. What sort of mental battles were they fighting? What emotions were they experiencing during the story? There's so much that happens internally that makes the story interesting and riveting that, again, you don't have access to all of that information when you're retelling it for someone else. And this is the problem I continually ran into when I was trying to become a better storyteller in my customer service training. I'll give you an example. One particular training that I did in Salt Lake City, Utah, I really tried. I really, really tried to fit in this story about a customer service representative on the East Coast in Pennsylvania who went above and beyond to create an amazing experience for an upset customer. 
a customer who had just paid thousands of dollars for a total kitchen remodel. But right after the remodel was finished, water started dripping from her ceiling, threatening to destroy all of the work. So of course, this customer had every right to be upset. They had every right to be angry at this company whom they'd just given thousands of dollars to. So the customer called the company and said, I've got a leak coming down from my ceiling. You guys just came out and did all this work. What is going on? What did you do? And the customer service representative who took that call, she sent out a plumber, but the plumber couldn't, couldn't get it figured out. They couldn't figure out what was causing the leak. They sent out another plumber. He likewise could not figure out what was causing the leak. And so at this point, what's the company going to do? Well, the customer service representative called this homeowner every day for 12 days, brainstorming new ways to uncover the source of the leak. One day they would flush all the toilets. The next day they would run all the sinks, uh, all the faucets at the same time. They would, they would splash water on the rim of the bathtub. They came up with all kinds of creative ways to try and expose the leak, but they could never figure it out. Until finally on the 12th day, the customer just happened to figure it out by splashing water on the back of their master bathroom sink, and they exposed the source of the leak that way. At which point, a plumber came out, they took care of it, problem solved. Then the customer, who was so amazed by this individual customer service representative, came to the business to meet this customer service person in person and put a face to the name and say, thank you so much for taking ownership of my problem. So that's the story I tried to tell this company in Salt Lake City. I also tried to tell it several other times after that in trainings that I did. But the story never really resonated, surprisingly, at least surprisingly to me. Now I know why, but at the time it puzzled me. I wanted this story to just really strike a chord with people. I wanted them to hear it and go, wow, that's the kind of customer experience that I want to create for people. That's how I want to serve my customers. But people didn't feel that way. They didn't think it was that interesting of a story. They sort of nodded their head like, yeah, that's, that's great. That's really awesome. That's what we should be doing, but you know. That story doesn't exactly inspire me to go above and beyond for my customers. And this just puzzled me. I, I couldn't figure out why the story didn't work. Finally, I, I figured out why. I figured out, and this comes back to the challenge of telling someone else a story. If you want a story to resonate with people, you have to zoom in on what is at stake. And I never did that when I retold this customer service person's story because I didn't really know what was at stake. If the customer service person didn't call the customer every day for 12 days, what, what happens? What, what, is the, what is the downside? I didn't make that clear. I didn't communicate that to the audience. I told them the customer was upset and that they wanted a refund, but they experience that kind of stuff every day. That's not groundbreaking, earth-shattering stakes. And so I just never found a way to communicate really big stakes for this story, ways to make it gripping and emotional for the audience. They all just sort of nodded their heads like, yeah, wow, that's, that's really crazy, uh, interesting. Good for her for going the extra mile, you know? 
There's got to be stakes. There has to be something that if the hero does not take action, if the hero doesn't redeem themselves or choose the light side, something bad will happen. Something is going to, what's the word I'm looking for? There's going to be some type of disaster, some type of negative consequence. There's got to be something at stake. As Andy Raskin puts it, there must be something equivalent to death in the story. And when I told this story, there just wasn't anything. And I, to be honest, I had to stop telling the story because I could never find anything that was at stake. I could never find a way to make it that emotional because it wasn't my story anyway. I don't know exactly what compelled that customer service person to go the extra mile. I don't know what would have happened if she hadn't made that call every day for 12 days. There's all these missing details that make the story emotional that I just simply didn't have. So what does this mean for you? How can you use this lesson in your own storytelling, in your own presenting of ideas? Well, number one, as I mentioned a second ago, you've got to zoom in. You've got to zoom in and amplify the emotions of a story. Don't just tell us what happened. Don't just list a chronology of events. Tell us what happened, pause, and then zoom in on the emotions of the hero in the story. What was going on internally for that person? When you started that business and realized that you were headed for failure, don't just tell us that you were headed for failure. Tell us what you were thinking and feeling in the moment you realized you were headed for failure. What fears came over you? What thoughts consumed you? What battles were you having inside your mind and inside your heart? Zoom in on those things. Let us know what was at stake for you. A good friend of mine, who's a big fan of Grant Cardone, told me a great story about going to Grant Cardone's office in Florida, getting to meet him in person, and then being presented by Grant Cardone with the option to invest almost a half a million dollars in real estate with him. Now, my friend had the money, but that is not a small amount of money to part ways with. And so he was, he was torn, and he zoomed in on this mental conflict that he had now. Because on the one hand, he wanted to, ple- he wanted to please his idol. He wanted to make Grant Cardone proud on this one opportunity he got to meet him in person. But on the other hand, it's a half a million dollars. So is he going to take the path of least resistance and save his money and say, maybe next time, Grant Cardone? Or is he going to earn the respect of his mentor and idol and give him a half a million dollars to invest in a real estate project? As he told me about this internal conflict that he had and this back and forth between impressing Grant and taking the road of self-preservation, I was hooked the whole time. And I'm, I'm leaning forward in my chair going, tell me what happens next. What did you do? Did you give him the money or did you keep it for yourself? What did you do? I'm not going to tell you what he did because that's not my story to tell. And also because I want you to feel that tension that you feel right now wondering, did he invest the money with Grant Cardone or did he keep it for himself? Did he keep it for his family and for his new baby that was on the way at that time? These are the details that make the story interesting to people. It's what's at stake. 
It's the delicate balance between the road of self-preservation and the road of heroism, the, the road of making a choice that will change your life forever. You've got to show people the conflict between those two separate ideals, and that's what invests us in the story. When we look at Star Wars, we're, we're, we're curious, is Luke Skywalker going to follow Obi-Wan and become a Jedi, or is, there, or is he going to stay on Tatooine and live his old life? Even though he says he wants to explore other worlds, once he's presented with the actual opportunity, he hesitates. And so it's this constant struggle that our heroes face, that we ourselves face in our stories, that gets people invested, that gets us to want to know more. Because when we see the struggle, we can also see ourselves in the story. One last tip I want to share on this particular topic. I went through the story skills workshop put on by the Akimbo School that Seth Godin founded. I went through the story skills workshop last year. And in the story skills workshop, you get together with a group and you practice telling stories and you have a coach that kind of works with you and gives you feedback. So one day I tell this long story that I've actually told on this podcast before, a story about me starting my own business, investing $6,000, which upon graduating from college was everything that I had, and then it totally failed. And I, I gave a lot of detail in this story. Like I, I went from all the way to all the way starting at the point where I decided that I should invest in this business and start it to long after it had failed. I really covered a lot of ground and a lot of detail in this story. Almost like I covered an entire trilogy in one film. And at the end of my telling this story, I could sense that the people in my group were a little confused. They, they were kind of engaged in the beginning, but they weren't engaged by the end. We all knew it. And the Akimbo workshops are exactly the place for people to say that. It's why you're there. It's to get better at telling your stories. So when I asked for feedback, people said, man, there's just a lot there. There's a lot going on. You covered a lot of ground. You know, I'm just not sure which parts I should care the most about. I'm not sure where the lesson is because I tried to cover so much ground. There's so many details. And then the coach of the group, I asked her for feedback and she said, well, Zach, what parts of the story stick out most to you? That was a great question. So I paused for a moment and I, there were two parts of the story that I said, this part and this part, these are the ones that stick out the most to me in my memory. And she said, well, Zach, it sounds like you've got two different stories there and you were trying to merge them into one. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. She went on to then emphasize the power of zooming in, telling the smallest viable story. We, tr we often try to fit in all of these details, all of this chronology of events when we're telling stories, when in reality, we, we need to zoom in on the individual feelings, emotions, thoughts, and experiences we're having, and we need to splinter them. We need to break them up into a group of stories. And if we are going to combine them all into one big story, we've got to be very intentional about which details we leave in and which details we take out. Because if there's too many details, people get lost in those things. You're telling them about stuff you think matters, but really doesn't to the story. And so I walked away from that day trying to articulate for myself, what does that story or what does that lesson mean for me? 
How am I supposed to apply that knowledge that I have now every day? I understand that she told me, sounds like you've got multiple stories there, but what am I supposed to do with that exactly? And then I realized, every time your mind is blown, every time your eyes light up, and every time your perspective is shifted, even a little bit, a story has just occurred. And if you can zoom in and take note of what situation you were in, what triggered the story, what triggered the internal conflict that you faced, and what choice did you make in the midst of that conflict that ultimately led to the transformation or to the epiphany that you had. You got to zoom in on all those tiny little details that can sometimes happen in just seconds. And if you can zoom in, grab those details, and then magnify them into a story, that's how you grip an audience. That's how you make them say, wow, that's amazing. That Now my mind has been changed too. So what do I call all this that I've been ranting about for the last 16 minutes and 50 seconds? I call this how to think like a storyteller. <laughs>